Good evening, Vancouver. Welcome back to Canucks After Dark, June 19th. We are on the other side of a Stanley Cup champion being awarded for the year. We are just around the corner from the NHL draft, from free agency, and uh, we got some Canuck stuff to talk about today. But as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? I am great, Parker. Thank you. Uh, I hope you are well, too. Before. And um, I, I guess we, we actually found a topic to talk about tonight, which is good. I know last week we were joking about, well, we have things to talk about for the summer. So at least we have one, one yeah, big one. Yeah, we knew, <laughs> we knew we had the draft coming up, um, yeah. which is, when's that again? The, the next 29th. Wednesday. Yeah, so, yeah. so we knew that we would be good for the show on the 26th and the show on uh, July 3rd, because both yeah. of those would have... Uh, draft stuff to talk about, and then free agency, of course, for the week after. Uh, but this one, we did get some Canucks news, sort of out of the blue. Um, I was, what, Friday that that came out? The Canucks yeah. are going to be buying out OEL. Um, yep. There's some more stuff around Ethan Bear's shoulder. There's some uh, just talk around what the Canucks are, gonna go- are going to do defenseman-wise um, for this next season, because as has been the case for a while, the defense doesn't look great, <laughs> um, and the Canucks have some work to do. It's funny. We, we we can talk about whether it looks better or worse now, like with with the results. And man, you you we're, we're going to talk about this. We, we talked last week about right shot D, third line center. How about now left shot D? We need that as well. <laughs> yeah, the Canucks have holes. Uh, they yeah. have have quite a few holes, but now they have a little bit of flexibility uh, yes. to maneuver with those. So we'll probably start with Canucks talk. We'll start with uh, a conversation around Oliver Ekman Larson. We'll get into Ethan Bear, Kyle Burrows. We'll talk a bit about, um, I guess, the Stanley Cup final, which ended last Tuesday. So we haven't uh, haven't done our sort of playoff wrap up. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, any, uh, and then we'll take some some viewer questions uh, when yeah. we get towards the end there. Unless I'm missing anything, but no, that's uh, good. It should be a good place to start. Absolutely. And I was thinking though, if we wrap up the the Stanley Cup final pretty quick, because. We could do that first for one. We could we could reverse the order just sure. and just spend five minutes because I I think you want, we want to hear about your experience down there. Let's let's do that if you if that's cool. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah, we let, we got into uh, we got into Vegas around noon uh, on the day of the Stanley Cup final. I I did the little check for tickets. Twenty five hundred dollars. Okay, I'll pass. Um, <laughs> that's a little it's a little rich for uh, for me right now. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so we had uh, basically we went we we were doing a trade show, so we had to go set everything up. Uh, we were done around three o'clock. Went okay. to uh, went to this place called Beer Park. It's a, a bar in the Paris Hotel, sort of half outside, half inside. Our table was sort of right on the edge of outside inside, which was great because it was thirty four degrees outside. So you didn't really oh. want to be sitting outside for four hours. Um, but yeah, we uh, we just had a few pictures, had a few appies, uh, watched the game. The place was going crazy. They had the sound all the way up. It was. Uh, there was a lot of joy in yep. uh, in that. We were talking to one guy who was there with his kid. His kid was probably like seven, and they were having a great time. And it was a lot of fun until about three minutes after the game ended. And then I got sad. <laughs> I got jealous. I was like, man, this is like seeing all these people <laughs> celebrating and being you know, so excited that their team has won. And I'm just thinking... That would be nice. That'll be nice one day uh, for that to be us. But no, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, didn't go out anywhere afterwards, but um, it was cool to be in town uh, when it happened. Be surrounded by people cheering on their team to win. Uh, I still was I was secretly rooting for Florida in, in my heart uh, at the time, but it was yeah. uh, it was a cool experience. 
You're a good storyteller, Parker, because the way you set that up when you said, and then uh, it was fine until about three minutes after the game, and then I thought you were going to say, someone pulled a gun or someone... Uh, no, yeah, no, somebody, it wasn't, you know? uh, no, everything was good down there. Okay. Uh, everything, was, everything was fine. Yeah. You actually um, felt sad. You actually felt sad. Yeah, I felt... I just felt it might have been the... You know, I mean, we had four pitchers between the three of us over the course of the game, so it might have been that doing the talking. Um... <laughs> But, I mean, we didn't have to be at the trade show till 11 o'clock next morning. So we yeah. were good. Um, it yeah. might have been that yeah. doing a bit of the talking. Um, but That's fair. it was just like, I was like, I want this, right? I want to be in a place with thousands of other people cheering for the Canucks, hopefully. Just the, the sense of joy and relief that would uh, that would come with that. Um, and, and I was sort of seeing them and... I was like, you guys don't even know, <laughs> right? Like a bit of that too, right? A lot of the people there who, and we had talked to quite a few of them. They were like, yeah, we, we never really watched hockey until they came here. Right. Yep. And, and yep. the team's been good. And that is, they, they've really cultivated a, a great, you know, fan base there and it, it's good for them. Um, but, you know, wish that could be us. With all due respect to the BC Lions and the CFL, um, I did go to a Grey Cup to see them win. But if we're yeah. talking about major sports, uh, my experience with championships, you guys, you know, I was at Game Seven the, when we lost to Boston. But I was also uh, exactly four years ago, uh, from two days ago, I was actually in Toronto for the Toronto Raptors Victory mm. Parade, which is downtown, which is kind of cool actually, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but yes, fun. Yeah, it was. It was good. So that's closest. My closest experience to experiencing a, a championship live in a city where they won it. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, just championship wise, like I had Seattle in 2013, right? Yep. The Seahawks, I guess it was 2014, February. You're down um, there? No, but I wasn't down there, right? Like I was just like, oh, that's okay, the right. one time that my yes. team has won. Yes. Um, but even that wasn't the same, right? Because I'd only been a Seahawks fan for about six years at that point. It, it wasn't the, it wasn't the same level. Um, yeah, but one day, one day it'll be here. I'll yep. be there. Yeah, and, uh, and and we'll be doing a show right from the concourse as soon as they're done. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully in uh, maybe maybe in twelve months from now, but very likely yeah. not. Hopefully, we'll still be friends by then. Maybe, yeah, maybe this team <laughs> will have torn us apart by then. <laughs> so overall, good experience, and then the rest of your trip was fine. And. And we hear stories, Parker, like it's Vegas. It's not the biggest hockey town, but they just won a championship. Da, da, da. Did you feel for the next couple of days that you were there? Was there a buzz? No buzz? A bit of a buzz? How, how would you describe it? A little it? bit. There was, yeah. I noticed a lot of, of Vegas jerseys around and it was 35 ah. degrees outside. Like you have to, you have to commit <laughs> to, to throw on, you know, a Mark Stone jersey. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the second night or yeah, I guess second night and last night, um, the World Series of Poker was being played in our in our ah. hotel. So I went downstairs just to like watch um, like a final table that was going on. And one of the How's guys that? was in a was in a Mark Stone shirt. Like and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like there's you know he was a local here and yeah, yeah it was neat. Um, cool. But yeah, cool, like cool. there was there was definitely a bit of pride going around it. And I, I think you know I'm in a lot of the touristy spots, right? I'm in I'm in the hotels, right? Our trade show was at Caesar's Palace. Yeah. And our hotel was, you know, on the strip, right? We weren't mm -hmm. hanging out with a lot of locals there. Um, yeah. But we did see a lot of people uh, repping the Golden Knights. And, I mean, you saw the parade uh, and the scenes from that. Like, they definitely had, uh, they definitely have a fan base going. Awesome. So then you get home on Thursday night or Friday morning? 
sort of both. And then you then you got thirty in the morning. Yeah, fire up the vlogging machine because you had some news to talk. We all had we all had some news to talk about. It was exciting. Out of the yeah, blue. One, one p.m. Elliot Friedman on Friday, June sixteenth, tweets yeah. out: "There's word this afternoon that Vancouver will buy out Oliver Ekman Larson. He will be an unrestricted free agent." Um, now, is this super surprising? I mean, it's a little surprising, right? We we yeah. We knew it was one of the ways they could get out of it. The other being yeah. like shedding a guy like Anthony Bavillier or maybe a Connor Garland, which we've sort of agreed is not the best move. Yeah. Um, but but from all the things that we've heard, um, teams weren't budging with the Canucks. Yeah. They were yeah. saying, "Well, you guys are you guys have sort of found yourself in a bit of a pickle." Maybe not Alvin specifically, but the Canucks themselves have. Um, and you're going to have to pay a premium to get out of that. And all the teams sort of collectively agreed not to, not, not necessarily like conspired, but, you know, <laughs> had their own thought of like, well, you guys are in a tough spot. You're going to have to pay a premium uh, if you want to get out of that. And this was yeah. sort of the Canucks one way of controlling their own fate, getting themselves somewhat out of this, uh, uh, out of this jam. So, yeah, I mean, let's yes. just talk about the, the math behind it to start sure and just before you do that parker because i know yep. your video was really good about breaking down the math i was just rambling on the side of a, uh, a random road in vancouver so i had none of the numbers in front of me but i gotta tell you man how i found out this is so funny i was at lunch with jason uh my one of my channel sponsors and we were just talking and we were good we weren't checking our phones or whatever and then i was driving back to my office and i called my son sean just to say checking on him see how i was doing it he goes and we we're about to hang up and then he goes oh i thought you're gonna call me about the oel buyout I said, what? He got bought out. So then, I pull over to the side of the road. I checked my Twitter. I said, what the heck? So I didn't even know because I was being a That's good, funny. I was being a good table mate at lunch. So um, yes, I'm glad you, uh, you got a video out quickly with some actual numbers and not just my flabbergastedness. Yeah. So OEL was getting paid 8.25 a year was his cap hit. Uh, no. Canucks, there's 12% retained. So it was like 7.2 or something like that. 7.26, I want to say. Um, yeah. But essentially, now for now cap it wise, I don't understand why the math works like it does. Right. Um, I don't know why it's different in different years. That doesn't really make sense to me. But essentially, no. this year, their cap hit drops to one hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. That's pretty good. So they get the entire relief essentially of the Oliver ekman Larson contract this year. Next year, it's two point three five. Um, so again, about six million dollars or about five million dollars saved there. And then four point seven six, four point seven six for years three and four. So both of those years, about two and a half million dollars saved. So just on that, you know, that's that's a good start, right? It, it clears up yeah. some space, and ideally, you know, with caps going up, maybe next year, year after, somewhere in there. Yeah. The yep. only downside to that is you're then paying him for four extra years at two point one two seven for four years after that. So about nine million dollars uh, over, or I guess. A little, a little less than that, eight and a half, uh, yep. over four years um, after that, which which hurts, but we're used to it, right? We had the Luongo recapture, we had the Holtby buyout, the Vertanen buyout. Like the, yep. the the Canucks haven't had a, a clean cap in quite a while. This is nothing new, um, but it really does open up uh, open up some flexibility for them this year. Awesome. As we're talking about numbers, Sager's Rage, thank you for your number. Your $10 donation says save the cap space for Pedersen. Trade Miller and Myers after his bonus. This team is not ready to be a playoff team or to contend. So we will get to all those things, but thank yeah. you, Sager's Rage, for that generous donation. Much. 
So uh, great, you explained that well, Parker. Uh, I think, in essence, if if you're looking at the seven point two five that we owed him times four years, right? When you take away Arizona's part, you're looking at we owed him in essence twenty nine million, and now we only owe him two thirds of that twenty nine million. So people are talking about this nineteen million dollar number, which is fair, and that we actually save about nine and a half to ten million dollars. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're basically paying, as someone said in the, in the chat, $19 million to OEL to go away. And then he, don't forget, you guys, he can sign with any other team. He can sign for a million, $2 million a year because he's already getting $19 million from us over the next, is, I guess, eight years? Parker, what is, eight how does years, he get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. So there's so many there's so many ways to look at this. Aquilini's commitment, basically fixing Benning's mistake, what the Canucks can do with this money. So where do you want to go? Where? What's the most intriguing part to you? First off, I want to laugh at how this affects Arizona um, because it's a really silly rule that probably will get changed, uh, I, I imagine. Because it's so basically, yeah. you know how retained salary works, right? It's you get three at a time, you can retain up to three separate salaries in trades, three slots, um, basically. Yeah, three slots. But yeah. since Arizona retained 12% on OEL's contract for the four years, now that he has been bought out. That actually uses their retention slot for all eight years, which <laughs> I think is a really dumb rule because that that really bites that team. Yep. Uh, but I did think that was funny. Um, but yeah, maybe wow. we should go into sort of what the Canucks can do with that, right? Because now sure. if you look at it, you, you're like, oh, the Canucks have six and a half million dollars of cap space. Throw an LTIR, they're at over twelve. Like, there's some room to really maneuver. Uh, but then you start to look at some of the holes, right? I mean, now they really only have. Four defensemen. If that. Yeah, three. Four, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry, that includes Gambrisebois, because that's what that <laughs> friendly includes. Um but yeah, they have essentially three, three NHL no. defensemen on their <laughs> roster in Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers, and Philip Ronick. And and we don't know if Tyler Myers is making it to October. So uh the Canucks definitely have a lot of work to do, but what was your I guess what's your reaction to that happening and and what do you think that's going to allow them to accomplish. Yeah, great point. So I love the way you broke it down. And I think when you... It's okay for Canucks fans, Parker, to be upset that they made that trade two summers ago, right? But you're also allowed to be um, happy or at least um, hopeful with with uh, that the Canucks can do something. I, I see so many people, Parker, they're almost not allowed... Or they're, they're chastising people for being hopeful because they say, oh yeah, but we shouldn't have made that trade in the first... Yeah, we all know that, but you can't undo yeah. something that happened two years ago. And like you said, this was probably the best way to get out of it. They, it's, it's fascinating. They didn't go to OEL's agent and say, hey, will you waive your no-move clause? On the first day that you could do a buyout, they did it. So to me, Parker, that tells me that Patrick Alvin has been thinking about this for a while. That means yeah. they, they, they're ready for it. And they see themselves as being a player. It might be a little bit delusional, but they see themselves as being a player this year. And it, like you said, six up to 12 with LTIR, if they do it properly, they, at least they have options now. Whereas a week ago, they had no options. Yeah, it's a simple, it's like if you really break it down to the bare minimum, it's it's a simple value proposition, right? Yeah. Is all of Rec, so... You keep all of Reckman Larson, you pay him $29 million over four years, yep. right, on your cap. Um, is he, or you buy him out and you pay him $19 million. So it's really 29 versus 19. So over the four years that he would be playing for you, is he worth that dead cap? Essentially, is he worth the $2.5 million difference per year that you would 
basically be paying to right. not buy him out? The answer is right. probably no. No, <laughs> he's, I, I, he's, he's probably not worth two and a half million dollars a year. He's probably, I like honestly, if he gets a league minimum contract somewhere, like he's not going to be a lock to make it, that team <laughs> yeah. potentially, right? Um, so, so essentially, uh, for the Canucks, it, it makes sense, right? It, is it the right move? Probably. It's a way to open up some cap space for this year because this year is, you know, they are really locked up cap wise without immediately having to get rid of the 11th overall pick or having right. to get rid of Connor Garland and an asset just to clear that cap space. Um, yeah. So yeah. so one one big thing that this really does for the Canucks and, and what some of the talk has been is it doesn't necessarily like make the team better right now. You're not going to say, hey, we now have, you know, what was it, six and a half million dollars of cap space. We're going to go spend it. We're going to go get a guy because mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. they can't. Right. Basically, they have handcuffed themselves to a degree where they need that cap space to have some flexibility to be able to go to a team and say, Hey, we now want to trade Connor Garland or Anthony Bavillier. Um, but you don't, we don't need somebody to say yes, right? We have some leverage back. We have a little bit of wiggle room. Like, Hey, you know, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. We have other ways of getting out of this jam, right? Yeah. It's not as much of a jam anymore. And at that point, you know, it, it starts to make a lot more sense to me as as to why that was the move that they that they made. However, yeah, they they have you know uh, on a twenty three man roster, they have seventeen guys right now. They are going to need to throw some bodies into the mix really quick. Yeah. And that is such a good point because we say six and a half million, twelve million without TR, but don't count the TR yet. Six and a half million is not enough to sign. Not we're not just talking about a third line center. A, a left shot D and a right shot D. We're talking about three more roster spots, as you just mentioned. We got to f- sign at least six guys, not three guys. And we want two or three of those guys to be good. So six and a half million is not going to cut it. So you're right. You're absolutely right. There's got to be another move. We don't know what it is, but there's got to be another move coming. And this move with OEL at least gives us options to make that second move. So we're not, you're exactly how you said, we're not kind of over a barrel, so to speak, or you don't have basically other GMs laughing at us and having us right where they want us kind of thing. So that yeah. overall, uh, Parker, I'm, I'm actually intrigued at what Alvin's going to do. I don't think he's done anything horrible. Like he's not afraid to make trades. Horvat, Hronik, we've seen all this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of ex- uh, excited, maybe too strong a word, but I am, I'm intrigued for sure. For sure. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Cause you can look at it and be like, okay, well you can like bring up Wallin and maybe yep. as your number six, right? Yeah. But, you know, you, and we're thinking of, oh, they have three defensemen, they need three more. But no, you, you probably want seven, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know, most teams carry 14 and seven or 13 and eight. Didn't we, we use like 14 of them last year? Like 14 or 15 guys last year? Right. Yeah. So you probably need another forward and you probably need four defensemen just to put on your NHL roster. That's not including the rest. So, yeah, yeah you can, you know, you can pull up a line and that's going to be 775 on onto your cap. So, so very yeah. minor um chunk but that's yeah. probably not ideal right are you wanting to go cole mcward akito Hirose, noah Juleson if he gets signed like are these guys you you want to be regulars in the lineup Hirose for me <laughs> for a team that has playoff ambitions though probably not like that seems 
like you're you need some guys to really step up in that case right anything there i mean we know we know now he's probably not playing till december and we'll get to that later yes but even if he is an option for you like he's not an option quite yet um so it's uh yeah it's uh they're not out of the woods that is for sure parker one point of clarification that i saw some people tweeting about with ltir is it true that you have to start the season under the cap with quote no LTIR space like they Pullman and Pearson have to count in the 83.5 before you can actually move them so you have to kind of wave someone and do all these paper trends do you know for sure that's what I thought it was but that doesn't seem right hmm does that make sense yeah 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 so this is what it says um if a team is cap compliant on opening day without using LTIR then the LTIR pool is the cap hit of the LTIR player. So basically, you can then go over by that amount. If a team is not cap compliant on opening day without using LTIR, the LTIR pool is the amount that the team exceeds the cap. So, for example, if a team is $3 million over the cap and places a player on LTIR for the $4 million cap hit on opening roster, the LTIR pool is the $3 million the team exceeded the cap with. So... It sounds to me, just by reading this, because it's it's a little tricky. Um, it sounds to me like you can be over, but it's not ideal. You get a little bit punished for it. Okay. Okay. Because again, you're okay. not accruing any cap space, right? Yeah. Like that's if if you're a team that wants to to be in the playoffs, right? Like you're gonna want to be accruing cap space. Because what happens if if someone gets if like you have three people who are injured but not injured enough to go on IR? right like suddenly bring someone up causes problems you go over the cap etc cetera, etc cetera. It, it can get pretty messy okay so ideally they should be cap compliant including pullman and pearson's Pearson. contracts correct ideally um, ideally ideally that seems kind of unlikely at this point they'd have to find a way to get out of a most like like i to me, Bavillier, like that's the easy peasy, <laughs> you know, like he hasn't been here for long. No one's really attached to him. He yeah. was very okay in his time here, but didn't really stand out. Um, maybe he's worth the money, but probably yeah. not. I don't know. Like right. I right. wouldn't be too upset if, uh, if he was the one to go. Okay. And Angus is there. If you want to max out on LTIR, you need to be under. So that, that, yeah, kind of goes right. with what we were saying. Thank you. Thank you. You get thank punished you. if you're not. Yep. Oh my, okay. And keep in mind, like, we're talking like, oh yeah, they have 12 forwards rostered, right? That's including Kravtsov. I don't know why he's included as an RFA, <laughs> but I guess he is. But that also includes Sheldon Dries, Jack Stadnika, yeah. Phil yeah. DiGiuseppe, Dakota Joshua, Niels Oman, Vasily Podkolzin. That's a lot of guys who haven't been doing too much, yeah. right? That's not a, does that sound like the bottom six of a playoff team? No. Probably and, not. And the thing is, Parker, you you kind of feeding into this point that we've met, we've made a few times on the show. Uh, the Canucks have no mid-range contracts. You read all those six players who are under one million, all under <laughs> a million, yeah. And then it shoots up to Bouvillier, four point one five, Garland, Andre, uh, Kuzmenko, Besser, six, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to eight. So there's no one, there's no forward that makes between one and four million dollars right now. Yeah, except Tanner Pearson, but he's on LTIR. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, and on D, and on D, Quinn Hughes seven point eight, Myers six, Horonic four four, boom, Breezeball seven seventy five. 
Yeah, and then Wolainen's also seven seventy five. Yeah, uh, I guess technically Cole McWard's technically nine twenty two. Oh, good for him. So does that make him? <laughs> does that mean he's the fourth highest paid defenseman on the Vancouver Canucks, other than Tucker Pullman? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That seems wow. that seems impressive, but also <laughs> terrible. Oh man, that's wow. There's a there's a lot there. There's a lot there. So so this is going to be a team that's very dependent on goaltending. Yep. Is what I'm is what I'm understanding. They're going to need to score a lot. They're going to need some good goaltending because they have yeah twelve million dollars to make all of this work. And there's there has to be more dominoes to fall, right? Um, but they've really liked paying wingers, right? Look, we we loved Andre Kuzmenko. He was so good last year, but trading him for like a first first and a second round pick or something last year, having that five and a half million would be big, right? Just for yep. depth. Because they have so much top end, right? JT yeah. Miller, fantastic. Elias Patterson, fantastic. Kuzmenko's great. Besser's been iffy, but you know he has some potential. Connor Garland has been pretty good, especially at five on five. He hasn't played any power play time essentially. Um, and then there's just yeah that huge drop off. You basically go from a bunch of first and second liners to a bunch of fourth liners in an instant. <laughs> and then on D, yeah, we kind of joked about it with Hughes, Ronick, and Myers up top, and then Breezeball and Crude below. The one guy, it just says Pullman and, and Pearson would be those mid-range guys. I guess the other one is Ethan Bear. I know we're going to talk about them in a few minutes. But uh, again, that big, big, big discrepancy between your stars, so, so-called stars, and then your, your replacement players, basically. Which is better, to be fair. It's better yep. than having a bunch of those not great players making $3 million, right? True, like, like a Dickinson. Like, right, right, right. Or like Roussel and Beagle, like the good old days, right? Oh, yeah, those guys. Um, yeah, like that was bad. <laughs> Um, you know, I'd much, I'd much rather have Niels Oman making eight eighty three over, yeah. you know, Jay Beagle making three million dollars. Right? Was Jay That's Beagle fair. a little better? Sure. Was he, yeah. you know, three X? Probably no. not. No. So no. you know, I it's again, you're gonna do a lot better overpaying the good players, uh, and underpaying yeah. the bad players. Um, there just needs to be a bit of balance. And right. uh, and hopefully roster or ways to round out this roster a little bit. Sure. And before we get to Ethan Bear and Kyle Burrows, one other thing, Parker, when you were explaining the cap hit, the savings, and the dead money when it comes to OEL, another point that I think is a really good point that I've heard some people make is the more you really got to keep this 11th overall pick and hope this player hits in a year yeah. or two when OEL's contract becomes a little bit more punitive because you're going to have to find efficiencies like a Hoglander, like a Podkoles and, and, and Kuzmenko last year. You're going to need to find those type of efficiencies for sure. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the big thing with entry level contracts, right? Like yeah. it's a, yes. and and even when you're in your RFA years, right? Like you get a deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like what what does Leas Patterson make? Seven point three five this year. Yeah, and he's going to probably produce fourteen million dollars of value, right? Like yeah. that's going to be a huge boon for the team because he's an RFA. When you get to the guys who are UFAs, that's when it gets more expensive, right? Like I just think about yes. Connor, Mc- Connor Bedard on Chicago this year, right? His cap, it's going to be like a million dollars and he's probably going to put up maybe 60 points, maybe more. Yep. I don't know. And that's going to be, you know, wasted value most likely, but it's going to be a big chunk of value. Um, yep. But yeah, if you can get a guy and it's, it's a bit tougher because it seems like they might be leaning defensemen as we, as we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys, they don't usually step in for a couple of years. Um, 
but yeah, if you're able to get a guy who who steps in next year or the year after and you start to get some value out of that 900k one million dollar contract yeah that is a big a, a big help um yes to replace that value that's being essentially lost on the buyout yes 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 you want to talk about uh can you talk about defenseman and go to ethan bear now yeah so i think we talked about his surgery last week we um, did but I think the the consensus at the time was like four to six months. And we were like, ah, four months. That's the start of the season, right? Like, that's fine. <laughs> October, uh, was that? October 12th. You know, yeah. that's great. That's what the season starts October 12th every year now. So he'll miss maybe a couple weeks of the season. He'll be good to go. He'll miss training camp, which will be bad. But, you know, it's a shoulder. You should be able to work out, do cardio, skate with a non-contact jersey on. Like, he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's six months. And suddenly we're not talking about missing training camp anymore, right? We're talking about yeah. missing training camp and the first 25 games of the season, maybe 30 games of the season, maybe a little more, right? Um, now we're talking about a guy who, as an RFA, might not even be worth qualifying. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I think it is crazy. Honest, let me preface this by saying, what is, what's his qualifying offer? It's 2.4. 2.2, two, two. Two, two, I thought. Or maybe it's two okay. four. Okay. Friendly says Cap Friendly says two point four. Okay, yeah, go with that. Um, go with that. Go with that. So well, because it's because his contract was two million dollars and it's one hundred and twenty percent of that. Okay. okay. Um so two point four. Um yeah, is uh is Ethan Bear worth two point four on a one year? Like, it, again, it's kind of tricky considering he's probably only playing fifty five games this year. But mm-hmm. you can LTI it for the first couple months. They're already gonna be in LTI anyways, right? Most likely. I don't think that matters that much. Um but like yeah, Ethan Bears were 2.4, I think, yeah. right? Like, I think he was quite good in his time here, right? He's the f- fourth. No, he might be the third best defenseman on this roster right now, right? <laughs> like, you know, you're going to put him up against Tyler Myers, and, and you know, maybe there's a bit of a fight there, but maybe not much of one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, is Ethan Bear with 2.4? Absolutely. But can this team afford to give him 2.4 is the question. Right. Um, yeah, right. Are you going to be able to go longer term and say, well, we'll give you maybe three years at like two, but is he going to want that or is he going to want to do a one year prove it deal, get to UFA right. and then say, all right, now I'm a UFA. Now I'm going to make my money and, and hopefully have a great year this year and, and, and hit right. free agency and, and collect. Right. So let's go through the options here. I do not think the Canucks offer more than a year. Okay. Because I, I just think I'd be iffy with the shoulder, do that one year sure. QO or whatever. And it's somewhere anywhere between two and two and a half minutes, whatever you guys decide on, fine. And then, so there's that option. If the Canucks qualify him, he can either accept it or or decline it. And if you decline it, that's fine. That's what he did with his last one with Carolina. You can then negotiate outside of the realms yep. of that 2.4. So that's fine too. Or, as you said, the Canucks could simply not qualify him. What's the risk? The risk is, well, that means he becomes a free agent and he can go to any other team who is willing to take a shot. If you can still negotiate with the Canucks, he needs a contract by December 1st or whatever the cutoff is or else he can't play. So, right. and he's not healthy. So there's so many things, Parker, but then if you don't qualify him, you say, well, there's two and a half million bucks that we can add to our little pool that we weren't expecting. So, right. And if you really... don't, if you don't qualify him, that December 1st deadline doesn't exist. Of course. Right. Right, 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 right. Yes, 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 yes. But don't you have to sign a contract to be able to play overall in the league? He could sign a contract in March. If you wanted to, uh, just play? the R, just yeah, just as an RFA, you can't, uh, oh. you can't, as an RFA, you have to have a contract by December first. 
Gotcha. Um, gotcha otherwise, gotcha. you're disqualified for the year. Okay. Okay. So, if you're Patrick Levine, what do you do? Yeah, it's tricky, right? I think you. Uh, what's the QO deadline? I, I imagine it's right before free agency, right? Yeah, I, I think you have to qualify by June 30th. Uh, you have to so give the offer by June 30th. June 30th at 2 p.m. Pacific. Oh, very so, specific. So. I think at that point, you, you try to negotiate right up to that, right? Like, you sort of have it in your back pocket. You don't tell them, like, hey, we're going to give you the QO at that time because then that's an option for them. But you can sort of say, hey, we're not sure yet. But maybe we'll do, you know, would you be up for two years at 1.9, right? Maybe try to save a few bucks this year, get give him an extra year, right? Try to entice him. Because, yep. yeah, you can negotiate up to that deadline, right? Um, and you don't have to offer him 2.4. You just do to keep them as an RFA. Um, so that they, they could happen, right? They could say, okay, well, you know, we sort of have you penciled in as a 1.8 guy, but we'll give you the extra year, right? Or they could mm. say, we're, we're not planning on qualifying you. We'll offer you a year at $2 million or 1.8 or whatever that might be. Yeah. And he might look at the market and say, you know, one more year of a flat cap. Maybe I just take the one-year deal, get to when the salary cap goes up, and maybe I can fetch a few hundred thousand dollars more, and I'll go with that. Or maybe he's looking yeah. and saying, yeah, my agent's sort of done some poking around, and no one else is really offering more than – or thinking about doing more than two, right? And then, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that can happen um, in relation to that, and, you know, the player might want to side with staying where he's comfortable, um, but we don't know. That's a really good point. The earlier you sign, the less your contracts can be prorated and you're making more money, obviously. That's a really good point, actually. Because what he should just take it, uh, well, he, depending on what the offer is, take it, rehab, work hard, and you're right, take a little less this year, knowing exactly what you said. Salary cap's going up. He plays well from December onwards, and he puts himself in line for a bigger contract, a bigger annual contract for the next season. Yeah, it really just depends on whether they think they're going to get qualified or not. That's... Right. That's what it's down. Because if you think you are, then yeah, just hold off and take the 2.4. Yep. But if, uh, yeah, if you're not, then, you know, you might just take the best offer and not have to deal with free agency. Because is Ethan Bear going day one of free agency? Probably uh, not, not, if you, right? Not if he's not playing until December. <laughs> no, it's probably going to be the big names and a team who has some room left over yep. might make that move, um, you know, later on in July. So if you're a Bear, are you hoping for a qualifying offer? Well, I guess there's no harm, right? There's no... You can say yes or no. Probably. Well, you can't really say no. Yeah, right? You can reject it. You can reject it, but then you're in sort of purgatory, right? Yeah. Where yeah. you can get an offer from another team, I guess an offer sheet. Yeah. Um, but again, we know how common those are. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you could get the QO. I mean, that's security, right? And then you could say no and, and try to negotiate something else at that point. Wow. Wow. What a, what a turn of events. And... Parker, you know when it happened, right? At the end, like in the last second of that, that quarterfinal against Finland, that the game was in hand. Yeah. And, uh, it's, apparently, so, this is an old injury from four years ago, though. Yeah, I'll give you the quote yeah. uh, from, from Rick Dollywell today. Sources indicate it's not a slam dunk that the Canucks will qualify Bear after the NHL draft next week. So, again, we don't know. Um, his agent continues to talk with the Canucks about Bear. One thing is clear. The long-term injury to Bear has made his contract situation much tougher to deal with. So it sounds like they were going to give him the qualifying offer, which I think made a lot of sense. Like, mm -hmm. he was he was pretty good in his time here. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, we'll see how that goes. 
What happens if you draft uh, Willander or uh, somehow Ryan Buck? I doubt it is going to fall to you there. But can, can you imagine if you have? Uh, that's a bit of a stretch to have high hopes that the guy fills in already, and then there's your bare replacement. Yeah, that's, like a, that's that seems like a stretch. Yeah, yeah you probably got maybe a year or two at yeah, least. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. So that's should fair. we talk about some other? Let's talk about some other defensemen here. Sure. Uh, the Canucks have mentioned so Noah Juleson's name came up today. Mm. Um, Rick Dollywell says UFA defenseman Noah Juleson is a player that Canucks like, and they are talking to his agent about a new contract. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Noah Juleson? I like him. I, I think I remember last week we were talking about, I believe, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that you like Burroughs more than Juleson, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I, I have them at 50. Like, I'm fine with either one. I like Juleson. He's, he's bigger and he's not afraid to hit and he doesn't take stupid penalties. But I do like Burroughs' uh, kind of flexibility. Versatility is a better word of putting it. And he just seems to be more of an NHL, uh, like a number seven, mind you, but he seems mm-hmm. to be more of an NHL D-man right now. But I, I don't mind Juleson. And if he comes back, the money's right. I don't mind it. I will say, I, only, I went to that one Abbey Canucks playoff game. Yep. Uh, Juleson was noticeable. Like, he was throwing his body around. Like, he, he clearly was, was into it. Um, and I like that on his part. I mean, yep. you look at his stats. He's played 68 NHL games across three teams at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ten points. Nothing to really talk about, but he's a, he's an even plus minus. That includes a plus one on the Canucks last year. That's pretty good <laughs> on a team this bad. Um, obviously, you know, very small sample size, but uh, I mean, he had 20 points in 49 games for Abbotsford last year, most of them being obviously uh, assists, and I'm sure quite a few of those came on the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, ha- again, we're talking, we're talking something near league minimum, right? Like right. something that can be 100% sent down to the AHL if need be. Maybe he's trying to push for like a one-way deal or something along those lines, uh, yeah. or at least a, a pretty high AHL salary if it comes to that. Um, but if you are a guy like Noah Juleson or Kyle Burrows, the Canucks are probably a pretty good team to pick, right? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a path. There's a path to playing NHL games this year, um, even if they do bring in some extra bodies. Like you know, you're an injury away really from playing uh, a handful of NHL games. Yes, yes, yes. So you have Juleson, you have Burroughs. Now, did you tell me that Burroughs was offered a contract, or there's speculation? So what what Rick Dollywall's thing says is. Um, after a long period of no talks with unrestricted free agent Kyle Burrow's agent Ross Gurney, the Canucks have reached out to Gurney and made a contract offer to the Langley oh. native. So, yes, he has been offered a contract by the Canucks. Who knows if he takes it? He's an unrestricted free agent. Any other team could go after him. Um, however, he's from here. He's played here for a while. The team's not great. So maybe he wants to go somewhere he can be like a number seven and, and try to make an impact. But... Again, there's no guarantee that you go to a different team and, and you become the number seven, right? You could be the number yeah. nine for, yeah. for all we know, right? And just be playing in the AHL. And again, if you want to be an NHL player, the Canucks are probably a decent defensive core to be a part of. Did Philip Johansson play in the playoff game that you were there? I think he did. Was he good? Do you remember anything? He was I fine. Know, I know Jeff Patterson t- keeps talking about the one game he saw him and said he was bad, but I don't know if you guys were at the same game. <laughs> so he played three playoff games. I don't remember, but I, I if he was there, I didn't really recognize him. Right. Um, I really right. like the idea of Philip Johansson. I mean, he was pretty good in the Swedish league last year. Yeah. Um, obviously, he has that first round pedigree, which 
again, if I don't, if I think he didn't have that, I don't know if I'd be as excited. Right. Right. That definitely puts a bit of a, uh, you know, a bias on it, but sure. Um, you know, he's 23. He'll be 24 at the end of the season. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, we're, we're sort of getting to, to crunch time for yep. a guy like Philip Johansson. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up uh, this year. So all these right shot guys that we're talking about in, in McCord and in, in Johansson in Juleson and Burroughs. And what about Jet Wu? You know, I keep coming back to him because he's only 22 years old. We keep forgetting. Well, I keep forgetting how young he is. He'll be 23 in like a month. So okay, fine, twenty three years old. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I also I also thought he was a little older at this point too. Uh, yeah, drafted back in twenty eighteen. Yeah, um, Jet Wu hasn't done much to impress me. <laughs> um, now again, he's very physical, which I like. Um, yeah. I just don't know if he has. I don't know if he has the pace to keep up in right that in that in the NHL game, right? Like. Mm-hmm. He's good. Like, he's fine. He was good in the AHL, right? 21 points. He had 96 pin last year yeah. um, in the AHL, which is, you know, good, I guess. But I don't, I just don't really see it personally. Again, he could come to camp and he could impress, right? And yeah. with the amount of bodies the Canucks have, right? McWard, Hirose, Jet Wu, Wolainen, uh, Juleson Burroughs, Phil Trasleas, Pedersen, right? Like, who knows? You only need a couple to click. Right, mm-hmm. you need a couple to break out and actually show up and and win those battles and be good enough to compete for a spot. Yeah, but it feels to me like they have a lot of guys who are like probably a little low on the totem pole. Right, they don't yes. have a, enough guys who are like just about to push in. They yeah. have enough guys who are like, eh, they're like a top three AHLD man. Right? right, and they'll probably stay around that level. Um, yeah. So I'd love to see Jet Wu do that. I'm not, and, and same with Jack Rathbone, right? Like, I, I'm just yeah. not super high on that happening. But, and that's why it's why these guys should be salivating. There is a yeah. spot on either side, too, with Elwe gone. There's at least a spot on the right, and at least a spot on the left. If we were talking about seventh and eighth defense, and there's probably two spots on either side that people that these players can go for. And, uh, oh, by the way, Adam, thank you. Adam is, uh, joins joins the Canucks After Dark community officially as a supporter. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, we Adam. appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, and here's a name that we haven't even talked about yet is Travis Dermott, who we kind of all forgot about because he barely played this season. He's an RFA. Yeah. And has he done enough to even warrant a look, though? Yeah. So Dermott was the, the sort of third-round swap um, yeah. with Hamannick, which, by the way, great move. Yes. Um, but yeah, he played 11 games in a Canucks uniform, one game in an Abbotsford Canucks uniform this year. Ugh. I mean, yeah, 60 games last year. See, he's know. a legit, but he's a, a concussion legit, issue, right? Yeah, like I know. The, and I really like him. He's a legit NHLer. He is. I think he so. Is. I think so too. I, I think he's a good third pair defenseman, yep. genuinely, um, yep. who can like in a pinch slot in on PP2, like if he has to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like. He's had, I think he's had a couple head head injuries, right? At this yes. point, yes, yes. That's scary, right? Yes. Like you don't you don't know where that's going to be. It sucks for him, especially because you know this contract offer coming up probably isn't going to be huge. Uh, his qualifying offer is one point seven five. Yep. Do you want to tie up again? It's not a lot of money. 
We're talking about Ethan Barrett 2.4. <laughs> but are you wanting to contribute 1.75 to a guy who, who knows, right? I don't know. Is he supposed to be ready for this year? Have we heard anything? We have we've heard nothing. Like, That's crazy. There's been, yeah, there's been no rumors or anything on Dermot. So, yeah, are you going to tie up that on him? And, and again, you're dipping more and more and more into LTIR, most likely, um, with something that could just, you know, it could just spring up again, right? Yep. And, and then, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where if you're wanting to bring Travis Dermott back, you still have to fill his spot, mm-hmm. right? You can't just, because with most guys, you can pencil in, like, your top six on de- yep. on defense, right? It's like, oh, yeah, Hughes is going to be your number one. You're going to have Ronick, You're going to have Myers, et cetera. And yep. you might want to say, okay, we're going to have Dermott as a number six, but you have to have a contingency because there's a real chance that he comes back for six games and then is out again for 20, right? Um, and that's a, that's a scary, uh, a scary yep. proposition. Jeff Patterson put out a tweet today, Parker, saying of these four left-shot defensemen, Yep. Hirose, Rathbone, Wolanin, and Breesbaugh. How would you rank them? Yeah, I liked your ranking. Um, so you two have, and what, two. Hirose yeah. and Wolanin up top. Together, yeah. Um, I'd have I'd have Wolanin as my number one. Not yep. necessarily long-term. Uh, you know, Hirose might have a bit of higher ceiling in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolanin impressed me last year quite yeah. a bit. He was really good uh, yeah. in his time. And in Abbotsford, like, he was the clear-cut number one. Yes. And like and was very obviously like yeah, this guy might not belong in this league. Like he was <laughs> he was very good. Uh very good out there. So Willannon is is definitely my top uh of okay. that list. Is he a second pairing D-man? Cuz right now then he slots no. in behind <laughs> No, of course not. <laughs> like that's that's I he might end up being, but he should not be. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. He again, like that's we keep saying that, right? Like, Cracks have a lot of like number six, seven defensemen, uh, yeah. right? Because that's where you'd probably put Ethan Bear. That's where you'd probably put Travis Dermott. That's where you'd, you know, Calabro's maybe a little bit below that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the Canucks, you know, they have a number one, a number two, and then like a number four, and then a bunch of number six, seven, eights. Right. And, and that's uh, that's tough. Yes. Yes. Is it even worth spitballing? No, there's no point doing projected lineup because we we got to see what happens in the next there's two weeks. Way right? too many holes, yeah. And yeah. it's not like the free agent class is very exciting either, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's so you're, you're so true. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I looked it up. I looked it up today. It was not not. It was not impressive. How about that? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I'll just start naming names. No, the more impressive names are are guys who still have one year left on the contract. Like I've, I've heard people talk about Pesci and, and Hannafin, and, but these guys, are gonna, they still have four or $5 million left on their, their deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those aren't turning around anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Time to lace them up, Parker. Third line. Yeah. Third, third pairing D. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely be able to pull that off. Can't remember. Are you um, righty or lefty? Righty. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so there was other talk uh, on 32 Thoughts today from Elliot Friedman. This is going to hurt. Um, quote, Friedman says someone reached out to him saying they think the OEL buyout might suggest the Canucks are trying to replicate what the Florida Panthers did in the playoffs, having, quote, a hot goalie and some studs. That same source told him Canucks are not going to be the only team to think, quote, get in the playoffs and cause some headaches. 
Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> excited to finish 10th in the West again. Yeah, oh. I, it's, just, it's funny. I, I actually listened to the, the audio portion of the podcast, and they were talking about, obviously, uh, no surprise here, in Demco, in Hughes, and PD, you have elite players. You can add Miller to that. And yeah, hot goalie, Demco has the ability to do that, but yep. it really breaks down, and the roster really breaks down after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. Again, they, they have three defensemen. Yeah. That's not... That's not get in and 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 cause some problems. Like that's oh. that's not. They're not in that position right now. And again, they could make some stuff happen. They, you know, get rid of Bavillier and and bring in a, a like a few defensemen making two and a half million dollars and and get some depth going. Like sure, maybe. Yep. But it's not like they're like oh they're just one piece away from doing that. Like yeah, it's uh, and and again that relies on Thatcher Demko being. Thatcher Demko again, right? right? Last right. year that wasn't the case, and maybe it was a little bit near the end of the year, right? He did finish with a nine oh one, but he had like an eight seventy four for a good chunk of the season, right? <laughs> like, like he was not good in the first half of the year. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that really have to go right for this team to finish third in the Pacific. Yeah, and it's like, hey, what? Then, then you're going to go up against Vegas or Colorado yeah. or Edmonton? Like, have fun, right? Yes. So, uh, yes, and two points they made of the podcast referring to this Florida point, Parker. One of them was, remember last season, Florida was the, was the President's Trophy winners. Then they yeah. dipped this year, but they're coming off of President's Trophy, so we, we're not doing that. And what and changes thing, did they make? Well, oh, they, they got rid of Huberto and brought in one of the best players in the league, Matthew Kachuk? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's ridiculous. And then they're talking about, okay, fine. The Canucks have their eyes set on a playoff spot who's falling out vegas isn't falling out edmonton is still pretty nope. darn good Edmonton's i think la falling out i think la and seattle are pretty good calgary LA, is gonna, yeah is gonna improve la's so, on the upswing yeah. edmonton you know yeah. I, I would say la maybe is the best candidate and for yeah. calgary to stay down but like yeah. and again yeah not even not to mention seattle right seattle is pretty yeah. good this year too they were like or what are they the canucks are like the sixth set they're the seventh best team in the pacific right now Seattle's right. a very boring team. Seventh, who's who's worse? San Jose and Anaheim, six. Yeah, sorry, six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I hear what but, you're saying. The the point stands true. Well, Anaheim will have Fantilli next year. You know, maybe <laughs> who knows? Fantilli. Right? Imagine a line of Fantilli, Zegers, and Terry. <laughs> that's a that's some fun hockey they'll be playing. Yeah. Yeah. Some fun. Are they all American? No, Fantilli's Canadian. No, Fantilli's um, Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, Sea Loves. Sea uh, Loves came in second in WIHF in, Player yeah. of the Year. Yeah, yeah, Nine that would be cool. That would have been cool. Seelov is going to be a good player. He'll um, be fine. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, he will be fine. And then I think the only other note that I had Canucks related was Travis Green uh, will be joining the New Jersey Devils uh, as what? an assistant coach. Okay. Okay. Uh, they said the position vacated by Andrew Brunette, and I think he was an assistant in New Jersey. Yeah. That's um, yeah. Brunette was a head coach, and then he moved to assist. Yeah. He was the you head coach in Florida, and then, right. but he was the interim head coach, mm. um, and then they didn't keep him even though they like he brought them to the president's trophy last year right. and then they didn't keep him and i guess that turned out okay because they made it to the Stanley Cup final yes um, yes yes you know some people uh you know we're not going to turn this into a you know nostalgic show about travis green but some would say that maybe he was in over his head as a head coach others would say he, he did fine for his first time but uh proof is in the pudding he hasn't worked in about three or four years 
said in three or four years. Two years? What, two years. Two years. Really, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. It wasn't that long ago that uh, it feels that like a it. thing. Wasn't it like a year and a half? <laughs> really? Oh, my gosh. You're right. It, yeah, was, like it, was, it was November it was like, 2021. December 2021. December. Yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Um, two years. Yeah, it was a season Not even and a half. Two, oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, time time, time doesn't make sense nowadays. It's, uh, it's a mirage. Um, but, yeah, now he gets to coach the other two Hughes brothers. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I don't know what kind of coach he'll be, but maybe like yep. a defensive coach or uh, or something along those lines. But um, yeah, I think he's. I think that might be a good spot, right? Might be yep. a good assistant. Learn a few more yep. things, and then maybe he can uh, come back as a as a head guy. Speaking of time, Parker, did you see the tweet where the Louis Erickson debacle? Because obviously OEO traded for him. Now OEO is going to be on our books until 2031. Spans three decades, basically from the 20, the middle of the 20 teens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2031. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 15 years. 15 years spanning. Yeah, technically, it's a decade and a half, but it spans three decades because of where it landed. That's crazy. That's 2031. It's, isn't it just fun thinking back to July 1st, 2016? And just thinking like, wow, six by six, that feels like a lot. But hey, he scored a bunch of goals last year, right? And he's going to play with the Sedins. They're going to be, they're Swedish. They, they all played together in the Olympics or World Championship or whatever. Yeah. And then he scored on his own net. And <laughs> yeah. everything was downhill from there. July 1, 2016. Do you remember, Parker? There were so many bad contracts. Ocposo, Nielsen. They were all these guys that made basically five or six million dollars for five or six years. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember I remember that day. That was a uh, a weird one. Yeah. And uh if I go back in time, I I'd, I'd probably go back to 2011. But still, uh <laughs> <laughs> right, what, okay, one more, one more going back in time. Now, knowing everything that we know, Garland, OEL, 12 million in cap space, Dylan Gunther, someone else I'm sure I'm forgetting, a second round pick. Of course we wouldn't do that trade, but at the right. time at the time, two years ago, did you mind the trade at the time? Yeah. You did? I minded it a lot. We, we did a show that day. Yeah. And I think I railed on it. And, and I, I said, made it. And right. I made a video that day. And I referenced it in my video that I made about the OEL buyout. And I didn't even, I didn't even bother to go back. And I said, hey, click on the link. Yeah. I know what I said. Right. I right. said, I don't get it. Yeah. And uh, I, I still don't get it. it and it, I remember saying, yeah. Move. I remember saying that maybe Garland will be the hopefully the the nice piece of the trade. Yes, yeah, I do right. remember and that. Right, and I said that, and Garland's been worse than I thought he'd be. Right, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> like just to throw extra, you know, salt in the wound. Yeah, um, yeah, Garland. Like, I was like, okay, if you like, honestly, Garland for eleven or Garland for nine at the time, I didn't love it, but I understood it. Mm-hmm. But OEL, then it's just OEL for. Erickson, Beagle, Roussel, and a second. That's awful, right? And, and uh, that's that's where I didn't like it. Because um, yeah. OEL was done at that point. So, Benning obviously trying to save his job. Yeah, very clearly. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, it has handicapped the team now for another eight years. Well, wow. great. So it's I, I was impact. I was in a good mood when we started the show. Well, let's take five minutes of your questions. Maybe, okay. guys, let's get some some fun, positive <laughs> questions, right? Positive it's, questions. It's June 19th. It's like almost summer, but it rained today. Yeah. Let's get some fun. 
Edmund asks, here's a fun question. Do you think Jim Benning will ever get another GM gig again? Is that a fun question or a funny question? I say no. What do you say? I bet he does. <laughs> <laughs> they all do, right? Like, every single one of them comes back. I Like, like Peter Shirelli is still in contention for jobs, right? <laughs> like, the Leafs interviewed Peter Shirelli, didn't they? Oh, uh, sure, like, sure. Like, wh- what are we doing? It's It's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, good question. I'm just waiting. What's happening to Tucker Pullman? Well, I've heard a few things. They're saying he still wants to play, and it might not be concussion. It's actually more neck and whiplash issues. That's what I oh, heard. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't make it any better, but... Um, yeah, I, I was. that's what I was thinking. Like, is that better? I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it is, because, like, brain is scarier than neck, yep. I think. But, yep. man, it's not, it's not great. Yep. Yep. Good question, Sion. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We have time for a couple more. Just put them in instead of save us from scrolling up. Just put it in again. <laughs> yeah. Type it in yeah, again. yeah. I'm trying to scroll up, but there's a lot of other of other comments that are just uh, which is great that aren't that aren't questions. Yeah, no, they're great yeah. comments. That they're just not questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, some yeah. of them. So I, I do like that you guys have some good some good conversations in the uh, yeah in the chat. Though some draft related questions that I don't know enough about, so I'm not going to yeah. bother. I could lie to you and and just read yeah. off the elite pos- prospects page, but. Uh, I'll yep. save that for next week. Um, oh, here's a here's a few. Yeah, see Ryan asking about thoughts on Bra- uh, Braden Yeager. Again, I will do I will do two hours of research on Monday before our show, and that's generous. Okay, and I'll, I I'll might try know to... who that is. <laughs> here's one that we can answer. You think Alvin will be more careful on July first, or be reckless like Benny? I don't think reckless is in Alvin's character. Um, they don't have the money to be reckless. Like yeah. they, they literally cannot be reckless unless they yeah. just were like, oh, let's just go throw our $6 million at one guy. Yeah. And now we can't feel the team. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't, they don't have the money to go for a big splash and there's not really many big splashes to be had anyways. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's a big, uh, a big issue. Yep. Taylor asks how many moves? Do the Canucks have to make to be a contender? Well, well, let's let's let this is a good question because let's yeah. look at it right. Top six wise, the Canucks are okay. Maybe you want one more top six player, but yeah. like generally they're doing okay. It's yeah. it's the third line yep. that so has some holes. Yep. So let's say like a couple there, right? Maybe two moves there. Maybe throw Pug Colson on the third line, and and you can you can piece something together. And then defensively, they have probably have a number one, a number two in, yep. in Heronic, hopefully. Yep. Probably a number four in Myers, but he'll be gone after next year unless they resign yeah. him to something cheap. But I, I kind of doubt that. Um, but if it was for like right now, like, yeah, they'd have to go get a number three defenseman and then some good number five guys, essentially like yep. two or three of them that can that can fill in that third line. So we just uh, talked about five or six moves there then. And you probably want a backup goalie. Yeah. Right? So it's probably six yeah. moves away. I'm w- Although I'm willing to let Seelovs and, and Martin battle it out. Sure. I really am. Yeah. 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 I, I think Seelovs, again, I want Seelovs to play more games in yeah. the AHL because um, he's so young. Like, what yeah. is he? Is he 21? Uh, he's 22. Yeah. Like, that's so young for a goalie. Like, he turned 22 in March. So, like, yes. yeah, take the take the year, you know, 
play 40 games in the AHL. Let Spencer Martin be the backup. But that's also scary because yeah. Spencer Martin wasn't great last year. And if you're going to have a guy start 27 games while the other guy starts 55, you can't afford to have that guy put up an 880 on a team that's barely going to be on the playoff bubble <laughs> anyways, right? You can't afford to just instantly lose 16 of those 27 games. Right. You need yep. a guy who's going to be at least proficient enough to put up a 900 and and hold his own. Nope, that's fair. Ryan says top three ones. So we got to be realistic here. It's obviously, uh, it's so hard to predict uh, because... Uh, yes, exactly. So uh, we could say Bedard, Fantilli, and Carlson, but we know that's not realistic. Right. You know, we know maybe one or two of those. The, the everyone's talking about these four defensemen now, yeah. and Reinbacher, uh, what's it, Willander, Willander, the guy's name who I can't say, Sandin, Sandin Pelka. Yeah, and then it's like Simashev, but with an A at the end. Oh, I like that. And then Simashev, who's a left shot guy who's still a couple years away. Um, but yeah, I want whoever drops because someone will. Yep. There's always a guy who drops, whether it was yeah. Cole Caulfield or whether it was Quinn Hughes. Like there's a guy who yep. drops, and most people are right about them. Um, mm-hmm. So there's thoughts that maybe a Benson could drop, but most likely he's going top seven, right? It would take yep. a big yep. a big fall, uh, yep. or a Mitch Cobb, but it's very unlikely, yep. right? Um, so it's probably going to be a guy like Willander, who I've who's really been rising a lot. But yeah. as some players rise, other players might fall, and maybe you might get uh, some potential there. So I yep. don't really have any yet. Really, what I usually do during these drafts is I have the the list, all the lists in front of me, and then as guys drop, I say, I hope we get that guy. Because yep. there's that guy. Lots of people like that guy. Yep. Um, yep. That's BL2's. what with Quinn Hughes, right? Like, yeah, Quinn B- Hughes, that was exactly what that was. Yep. BL2 says Ryan Leonard. I think that's his name. Yeah. Uh, here's one. Uh, one more. Where was it? Uh, uh, do you think it'd be easier to move Bavilia or Garland? Well, Bavilia's only got one year left at 4.1. Garland's at three years at 4.9. So intuitively, you think Bavilia would be easier to move. But who would you rather have? Garland. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's... Again, you probably can get more for Garland, although with the rumors that the Canucks have to pay to get rid of him... Like, let's just run. Like, that's, keep yeah, Garland, because I think he's worth <laughs> the money he gets paid. The Canucks sure. just don't have much money to go around. If right. you can get rid of Bavillier for essentially nothing, which mm-hmm. I think they I think they should be able to, um, I think that's fine. Uh, I, I think, you know, he was... We saw it during that Horvat trade. Like, oh, and they got Bavillier. But now it's like, oh, they also had to take Bavillier, right? Yeah. That sort of seemed to be a, a yeah. negative in that case. We don't know how that conversation went. If Alvin was saying, yeah, we also want this guy. Or if the Islanders are saying, you're going to have to take this contract too. Right. Um, we don't know. Um, so, But if you can get rid of him, that would be great. Because um, I think you can use that cap space more effectively on the back end. Well, then we just got to make sure that Aturatu turns out really good then. That sounds unlikely too, <laughs> but it would be cool. <laughs> but he didn't look great this year. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. All right, we uh, we did a great job filling out that hour. Uh, we went an hour <laughs> and three. Um, yeah. So, uh, folks, thank you very much for joining. If you missed any part of this, rewind back to the beginning. Make sure you subscribe. By the way, before we even think about wrapping up, hit the like button. We're at twenty four with over a hundred yeah. people. We have over a hundred people in here in June. 
The Canucks have not played meaningful hockey in three months, and we have over 100 people in here. So yeah, hit the like button. Amazing. Hit subscribe. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, if you missed any part, you can rewind back to the beginning. You can find it on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all in about like 15, 20 minutes. But before that, Clay, do you have any parting words this evening? Well, well, I'm glad you got back safely. Um, I turned 49 years young this Thursday, so I'm looking forward to that. This is this is my favorite week of the year, Parker. It's the Father's Day. I'm a father, as you know. It's the first day of summer, although it's not feeling like it. And it's uh, it's my birthday. So it's my, my trifecta, my tritium, as I like to say. So I'm excited for that, and I'm excited to do a bit of draft research so I'm not a complete tool on next Monday's show. <laughs> yeah, so folks, get it in your calendars, because next Monday, 10 p.m., we'll be doing our sort of draft preview show. Uh, and then I'll be doing a stream during the draft uh, on the 28th. So we'll hang out during that. Um, and maybe you'll join me. I don't know what your plans are. Uh, yeah, if my, if my, I, I'm going to try and get my uh, work meeting canceled so I can join you. <laughs> Good move. All right. And then we'll do something. Um, That'll be great. So folks, make sure you subscribe to the Cox of the Dark channel. You can find me on YouTube, Parker's Box, Twitter, Parker's Box, Clay, YouTube, Canuck Clay, Twitter, Canuck Clay. We try to keep the branding consistent. Thank you all very much for joining us this Monday evening. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week.